the premise of this series is we watch Jesus come to the earth in the midst of difficulty, uh, racial overtones of conflict, um, uh, political unrest. In fact, two of his own guys were like, let's overthrow the government. Uh, Jesus steps into time, not in a time of peace, not in an era of, you know, uh, uh, unity, but in a real moment of difficulty. And how does he live in the midst of that? How, what does he teach? How does he, how does he go about doing life? Our Savior steps into conflict and then gives us a pattern by which to live. And it was important to us, the leadership here, that we take those teachings, those examples for our era right now. More than just little feel-good messages, but what did Jesus do? How did he live, and how can we take that and apply it to our lifetime right now as we are in some really difficult times? And how do we begin to walk the way Jesus walked and do what he did and say what he said? And so as we dove into this, we're going to just take a couple more weeks, but just kind of point out some of the key pieces. And in today's teaching, this is part two, and it's titled, The Kingdom of Heaven. The kingdom of heaven. We're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 13. So go ahead and turn on your Bibles. Get ready for Luke chapter 13. If I could kind of set the precedence for a little bit. Jesus has just done a supernatural miracle. He's healed this woman on the Sabbath. Now, if you know anything about uh, biblical history um, and God's concept of Sabbath, and he created a Sabbath for each of us. He says that on six days man can work, but on the Sabbath, uh, Sabbath or the seventh day he's to rest um, we have turned that to a Sunday for most people. Um, that would have been Saturday for Jewish people. Most people, back and forth, people argue about Sabbath and what it should look like and how it should be. And this was very, very important in Jesus' time. The religious leaders of the day were very, very, very much anal, if you will, about what could be done on the Sabbath and what could not be done on the Sabbath. And so when Jesus heals this woman, the religious leaders of the day lose their mind. And they begin to criticize, critique, and really oppose Jesus. And then Jesus just slaps him upside the head with the truth. He said, do you not take your ox and untie him and bring him to get something to drink on the Sabbath? Well, that God has just loosed this woman from the bounds of, of, of wickedness in her life. And how dare you? He says, and he rebuked them sternly. And when the people heard this engagement and saw this miracle, they are dumbfounded. And they are like, we want to live like this. We want to be like this. We want to walk in authority like this. We want to be like you, Jesus. How do we do it? And then he goes into a dissertation about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And those terms go back and forth. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing. And I would like to help you understand today that there are two factions at work on the earth and have been for many, many years. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. There are two groups. You say, well, I'm a part of this, and I'm a part of this tribe, and I'm a part of this. Well, let me tell you what tribe I'm a part of. I'm a part of the kingdom of God, and I used to be a part of the kingdom of this world, and I came to Christ, and I submitted myself to his ways. And so when we're talking about God's kingdom on the earth or, God's, uh, or the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about God's reign, God's place in the earth, God's plan of action, God's kingdom, if you will, how he reigns. And in one scripture, it says, uh, when we talk about when Jesus was teaching them how to pray, he said, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
How does it done in heaven? God, God doesn't even have to snap his finger or, or push and pull. He just says, hey, I think we should do this. And all the angels immediately jump into order and it happens. And, and so Jesus lived this life in the kingdom of God. He propagated the kingdom of God. He lived under the reign and rule of Almighty God and brought that to the earth in a, in a fresh, special way. And so the Jews had this concept that there, there is God in God's kingdom, but God's kingdom on earth. When will that happen? And Jesus says, it's happening now. I am bringing it. And so there's this conflict back and forth that we live in every day. The kingdom of its world, of this world, its ways of thinking, its worldview versus Jesus's worldview versus the Bible worldview. And it was real important to me as we jumped into the series to help you begin to have a biblical worldview to get you out of the kingdom of this world because though we live in it, we're not of it. Though I live in it, I'm not of it. I'm not a part of it even though I live in it. And even though there's wickedness all around me and concepts that I vehemently disagree with, I live in the process of God's kingdom every day in my life. And I minister into that worldly kingdom, but I live and I'm a part and I'm a son of this house. Are you with me? Say yes. Are you tracking with that? So it's in that that Jesus goes, well, let me explain to you guys. He says, what will I like in the kingdom of heaven too. What will I like in the kingdom? How can I explain a couple truths to you about the kingdom of God? And so with that, Luke chapter 13 and verse 18, we'll look there. It says, Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Now, the moment Jesus makes this analogy, they all get it. Like, pow. Now, you and I don't really, I mean, some of you may uh, be uh, into gardening and farming, but most of us probably aren't. We just go get our food from the grocery store. And, uh, but when he's talking about this mustard seed, it is such a little pin-sized seed. It is of the smallest of all seeds. It, it, it's almost, even if I had it on my finger today, you wouldn't be able to see it from where you're at unless they really zoomed in with the cameras. And so when he says this, he goes, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. So he has this image that he portrays to everybody and they get it. He goes, and you put this little, I mean, this speck of a seed in the ground and eventually it grows into what he called a tree, what we would call, well, Texans would call it a tree, but where we're from in Louisiana, we would call it a bush. And um, and so, anyway, and so it, 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 good size. It would get somewhere to you know eight or ten feet in height, and obviously large enough for tr animals to perch in its branches, so forth and so on. And he says it starts with something very small, and then he continues on. Keep reading with me, and he says, he said, what else shall I compare it to? The kingdom of God. To it's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about sixty pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So he, he says, and it's also like a little bit of yeast. And many times in the scriptures when they're using yeast, uh, they're using it as a negative um, illustration. But in this particular one, he's using it very positively. A little bit of yeast, and it works itself through uh, 60 pounds of dough. Actually, it gives the poundage here. 60 pounds of dough to where it causes it to rise. It affects a little bit. Uh, a little bit of yeast affects this whole big 60 pounds of dough and causes it to literally um, transform and, and operate differently because a little bit of yeast is in it. So he's, so he's given us these parables of what the kingdom of God... He, he points out a couple little pieces about this kingdom of God versus the kingdom 
of this world. And I don't know about you, but I want to live in the kingdom of God. I want to see, see daily salvations in my life. I want to see people's lives turned around. I want to see marriages put back together. I don't want to fall into perversion and wickedness of this world. I don't want to become a hater, and I don't want to be bitter at life. Are you with me today? Say yes. I, I, don't want, to, I, I, want, to see, I, I want to pray for people and literally see their lives turn around. I don't want to have uh, worthless prayers. I don't, want to, I don't want to live my life you know, the same way that I have the last 20 years. I want, to, I want to constantly be growing in the things of God. I want to be in the kingdom of God. I want to do what Jesus did. I want to respond the way Jesus responded. As they're beating him and as they're, try, and, and as they're in the process of murdering him, he literally says one of the last sentences that he says, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want to be like that. I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to be constantly, you know, uh, trying to harm people because I disagree with them so much. Are you tracking with me? I want to be like Jesus. Is that what you want? Say yes. And so it's with that, the life of Christ. How do we do what he did? He says, well, let me just give you a couple little thoughts about the way I live. Let me give you a couple of thoughts about the kingdom of God and what you can do, what you can be a part of. And he compares it to this little seed and he compares it to a little bit of, if you will, yeast. And it's with that that I want to kind of give you a couple of understandings. First of all, God can do a lot with your little. God can do a lot with your little. That's what Jesus is pointing out. He says, listen, you just need to understand that he can do a lot with you. You may not feel is that you, that you have a whole lot to give God. You may not feel that, you know, that, you, that you're confident enough or gifted enough or connected enough or wise enough or spiritual enough to make a difference in this old world, but I want you to know God can take your little and he can do a whole lot with it. Are you there? Say yes. Do you understand that? With the little, he can do a lot. You, you, you may not sense that you're a dynamic leader. Or you may not feel like you got a lot of money to give, but I want you to know God always takes littles, and he does a lot with them. The lie is to believe that we had, if only we had more, we could do more. That's a great lie. If only I had more, Lord, if I had more money, I could give more. Lord, if I had this, I would do this with it. Uh, Lord, if I had more knowledge of the Bible, then I could actually lead a small group. Lord, if I had more money, I would give more money. If I had more charisma, I would love more. I would be nicer to people. The false perception is that we need to have it all in order for God to use us, and that is a lie. What little bit you got, God will do something great with it. That's the, that's the principles of the kingdom of God. We don't take our greatness into the kingdom and he uses us. We take our brokenness into the kingdom and he uses us and changes the world through us. Are you with me? Say yes. He takes, he takes broken down fishermen and, and he uses them to spread the gospel all around the world. He, he takes a little woman who's about to die with nothing and he brings the prophet into her life and he says, look, go get some bowls and, and God will fill it with oil. He takes a little bit and he expands. He does supernatural things with our little God wants you to know that it is a lie that you got to wait till you get it all right before you start operating in the kingdom principles. Are you there today? Say yes. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. So how does the kingdom of heaven work? Let me give you a couple thoughts from Jesus's parable. How does the kingdom of heaven work? Number one, it starts small. Turn to the person next to you and say, start small. It starts small. Let me ask you a question. Who's your favorite fast food restaurant? Let me hear you. Shout out. Yeah, very good. Six years running, American Customer Satisfaction Index, six years running. Do you know who American's favorite fast food restaurant is? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, I could eat there seven times. Chick-fil-A. Anybody got any idea who's number two? Chipotle. Yeah, McDonald's is at the very bottom of the, of the list, just so you know. 
Panera and five or six others are tied at third. Chick-fil-A. And when I think about Chick-fil-A, I, I don't know how much of the story of Truett Cathy you have studied. He, he's, he was a believer, loved the Lord. Truett Cathy, uh, if you go back and you can research him, uh, he started at like six years old selling Coca-Cola and a smile. Some of us are old enough to remember their jingle, have a Coke and a smile. Because their whole concept was, you know, get a little bit of cocaine in you and it'll make you smile. No, I mean, but... You guys don't realize what it really was made of originally. Uh, but, but when he was six years old, he would, um, he would, take, he would go buy a six-pack of Cokes bottles and, um, and sell them for 25 cents for a quarter, and he would then sell them all for a nickel. So he'd make a nickel by selling these at six years old. And a neighbor said to him, he, he was frustrated that the lady across the street would not buy from him at six years old. Six. True Kathy. The founder of Chick-fil-A. And, and so what he does is, he, another neighbor says, what if you chilled them and made them cold? Well, in those days, only about half the people had ice boxes. And so he ch- chipped off a little bit of uh, ice from his mom's refrigerator, put it in a little bucket, chilled them. And then what happened was, as people would come home from work, everyone would stop and get a chilled Coca-Cola. From, and it so invigorated him that he caused people to smile after a long day of work. Then at 10 years old, he had a newspaper route, and he was known around his little town as the most kindest and most efficient young man at 10 years old, if it was raining, he would find a place on your porch or around your house where he could put your paper, personally walk it up, put your newspaper so that it would not get wet. He was the most valued worker in all of his little town as he went into teenage years and then into the restaurant industry. And today, that attitude, if you will, that I want to make everyone smile, I want to give everyone, it's my pleasure, an opportunity to enjoy the experience, it starts started when he was six, he started small with selling Coca-Cola and then paper routes, and now it is, if you will, the most successful fast food chain restaurant in the world, all because he had an understanding. I may not have, my mom and dad may not have money. They may not uh, put, me, uh, put me out there and give me millions of dollars to start this thing that I want to do. I'll start small, and it will grow. I want you to understand something. When it comes to kingdom business, it most of the time starts small. Are you with me? Say yes. So that one little bit of love that you keep giving to that neighbor down the street. It may, you may feel called that you're going to change the world, but that one little neighbor is where you start. Start small in the kingdom business, and it always grows. He says, literally, he says, these seeds of little small things will turn into something big. This little bit of leaven, it causes the 60 pounds to be affected. In Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, it says it like this, do not despise the small beginnings. Do not despise the small beginnings. When we started this church, we started in my living room. Uh, not because I was anti-mega church. I'd grown up in mega church my whole life. What I wanted was real relationship. What I wanted was authentic Christianity. What I wanted to be a part of was not systemization. I wanted to be a part of true lives being changed. So we started in our living room with a handful of people. I had no vision to go much beyond that, quite honestly. I just wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do. I was traveling full-time around the world doing conferences and running a Bible school, so it was no big deal. I was like, you know, this is real church. And we take our little tithe, and we didn't really need to pay anybody because we were just a handful of people, and we just start giving it to homeless people. And, and, uh, and you know, we didn't really have a building. It was my living room, I made them pay for toilet paper, but other than 
that, you know, because they used a lot in those days. And then, and then as you look up, we started small, and here we are, multiple campuses, reaching thousands of people every weekend, especially with our broadcast. I want you to know, starting small is a part of the kingdom business. And so don't despise the small beginnings. In this moment right here that we're quoting out of the book of Zechariah, Zerubbabel is rebuilding the temple, and it's taken a while. He's, he's doing it right, so he's laying the foundation, and the people are like, I wish this would happen sooner. We want it to happen, and so they start complaining, and they start, they start criticizing. Can I tell you something? Do not criticize small beginnings. Do not critique what you don't understand. Are you with me? Say yes. And they start criti criticizing and critiquing, and that's when the word of the Lord comes forward and says, do not despise small beginnings, because what I'm about to do through this process is going to be magnificent, and our time frame is not his time frame. Just, you may think it should happen by this time frame, but Jesus is like, listen, I've got this all figured out. Just stay the course. It may start small, but it's not going to end small. Are you there? Say yes. Look at Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 says, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. Whoever can be trusted with little. He said, I have a vision one day, Pastor, to be able to give away millions of dollars to people. I've got this little small business. Well, let me ask you, are you faithful with the $40,000 a year you're bringing in? Because if you're not faithful with the 40000 how would he be able to entrust you with $400,000 a year? I'll never forget, I was before the Lord years ago, just crying out, Lord, the church, we need more tithe, we need more offerings. God, we got to do great things. And this and he's like, if I gave you a million dollars tomorrow, what would you do with it? I, we, a lot. What would you do with it? I, well, a whole bunch, I'll tell you that right now. He says, you don't even have a plan really for the half a million that I'm giving you right now. What would you do if I, if I gave you more? See, the thing about small beginnings is it gives you the opportunity, come on somebody, to learn actually how to manage this piece. And when you're faithful with this, then he can entrust you with more. And when you're faithful with that, you can trust in more. Some of you, you're complaining God, you're not trusting me with any more. And he says, yeah, but you're not being faithful with what, 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 what I have given you. And until you start learning to be a steward of what I've given you and entrusted you with, why would I give you any more? Start with the small. Start with the small. Understand, this is kingdom principle. This is how God works in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. He says, you don't, uh, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told him. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. What would be impossible? What would be impossible? Nothing. Jesus said, oh, there's a lot of impossible things in my life, not if you had faith of a mustard seed. And again, very small seed. This is kingdom principles. This is, what, this is not the way the world works. The world works like this. If I can get more, I can be more, I can do more. So whatever I have to do to get more. And kingdom principles, what little has been entrusted to me, I'm going to be faithful to it. And it's going to explode into something in a, as, as a matter of time. I will start small and I will embrace that because it's in the humility of small beginnings that we actually learn the integrity to carry us when something is larger. See, over here in the kingdom of this world, we see so many people who've been entrusted with big things, but they have zero character, zero integrity, zero love for others. Are you with me? And so they're like, they're like a three-year-old with, uh, with a machine gun. I mean, they're just, just blowing down everything. You'd never entrust. The reason why we won't even let you have driver's license till you're 16 is because we don't let six-year-olds drive a f-150 because they'll run everybody over because they're not at a position or a place in their maturity to actually handle something that big so what do we do we start them with the little plastic cars and let them ride around in the, in the yard with those why because we want to start small so they can learn to actually learn how to handle that so that they can be entrusted with something else you're like god i wish you would entrust me with this oh god why don't i have this god why don't and he says because you're not been faithful in the little so i can't be 
entrusting you with a lot more if you had faith of a mustard seed. So in kingdom business, embracing the small is all about learning the integrity. It's all about learning the, 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 the operations of what's entrusted with you. Because he wants to entrust you with more, but only after you've been faithful with what you have. Are you still there? Say yes. See, God can do a lot with a little bit of faith. God can do a lot with a little bit of humility. God can do a lot with a little bit of obedience. God can do a lot with a little bit of selflessness. God can do a lot with a little bit of submission. God can do a lot with a little bit of surrender. God can do a lot with a little bit of availability because nothing is small in the kingdom of heaven. It grows into something big. Are you there? Say yes. Here's the second truth about that Jesus is pointing out with these seeds and, and, and this whole what is the kingdom of God like. And number two is that it expands invisibly. It expands invisibly. Those seeds are under the ground, and there's expansion happening. But it's not where everyone can see it. What God is doing in you may not be where everyone can see it. The roots are not seen, but it's growing. Uh, it, it, it's expanding in a place. The yeast is working through the dough, but you can't really see it. That's the illustration that he's using about the kingdom of God. So you got to understand in his time frame, they thought the Messiah would come and set it all up. Why did Jesus not come with a heavenly host and say, the Messiah is here? Everyone bow. Millions and millions and millions of people. The king of glory has showed up. He didn't. He came small in a manger. Small. And then as he began to work in the earth, if you will, it was invisible to the, to, the, to the multitudes of millions of people on the planet. Small group of people that's experiencing this supernatural power of the kingdom of God every day. From in a place called Galilee. He didn't even go to an important city. Didn't even go to Jerusalem. Didn't even go, didn't, didn't even go present himself in Rome. The king of glory. God himself in the flesh. Small, invisible, set aside, if you will. Because what's being done in the kingdom business, and God is in control of it, doesn't have to be broadcast to everyone. And here's my problem with so many people. I have people all the time coming and say, you know, Pastor, we so love the church, and, and we've been coming now for a couple weeks. I just want you to know who we are. Okay, back at, our, back at our old church, we did this, we did this, we did this, and we would really, we just want to avail ourselves. If you need anything, if you need anybody to preach for you on Sunday, if you need anyone to lead over here, now we have that skill set. This happens to me all the time here at Hill City. And all the time, they get the same response. That is awesome. Go through the grow track. I'm like, the grow? well, I wrote the grow track at my last church. That is great. You're not at your last church. You're here. And I can't give you influence that you have not earned. I, mean, I can't just put you up there and say, everybody, trust this person. Because why? Because you have to start at that spot where it's small, and you have to grow that influence as you serve others. Because Jesus did not take influence. He came and he served, and then people gave them his trust. Are you with me? Say yes. We, we love him because he first loved us. Not because he demanded of us, but because he showed us love. And so people come, and I'll say, listen, I love you. The first thing you do, go in the grow track, then get in a small group, and then start being nice and kind to people, and then just get on a serve team with us. And then, if you really are called and anointed and appointed, then start leading a small group, and then people will be attracted to you as you love them, as you care for them, as you serve them, as you give them your heart, and they give you theirs. Then that thing would start small, and it may look invisible. You may think, by now, at this age of my life, I should be, I should be the next Bishop Jakes. That's great. But won't you get a handful of people and love them? right where they're at that may feel invisible to you but it's the way the kingdom works Jesus didn't go out 
and make everyone come and bow to him. He did not. Why didn't he come in an era where he could broadcast himself over everyone's social media in one moment? Why did he come 2,000 years ago where there was no modern technology like we have today? Why did he walk amongst them? Why did he not float amongst them? Why did he not show up in their dreams every night? Why did he go and touch them? It's the way the kingdom of God works. It's opposite of the kingdom of this world. It's opposite self-seeking and self-promoting. It's about sacrifice. It's about love. It's about laying down your life. Are you tracking with me? Because this is two different kingdoms, and they, they literally war against each other, and they're many times polar opposite in the way they're expressed. And the things of God, literally, the, his kingdom working is invisible. Invisible. I, I, you know, I think about you know, how God is working in me all the time. I don't, I don't even realize it sometimes. And uh, a number of years ago, one of the couples in our church invited us over. Uh, we had a meeting that night, but they wanted us to come have dinner before the meeting. It was a big meeting that, you know, a, a big conference type meeting. So we said, sure, we'll come over. And I had a couple, a couple of my kids were with us and in their little small apartment. They done, they put out their little special china and eating and so forth. And, and so we were on a time frame. We're really in a hurry. And we get to talking and laughing and loving and look up and, oh, it's time to go. And Without even thinking about it, I jump up, my kids jump up, and we go into the kitchen, and, and the wife's like, what are y'all doing? They're like, well, we're going to rinse our plates off, and we're going to scrape our uh, stuff in the garbage can, and we start rinsing our plates, I'm rin rinsing my plates, and they're losing their mind. They're like, no, you don't have to do it. I'm like, no, it's okay, y'all keep talking, because Miss Jamie had locked in on them and was really giving them the word of the Lord, so I was like, while y'all do that, let me go clean our plates real quick. So I'm cleaning our plates at their house. And so afterwards, they just can't talk. They just look at us, and they're like, hey, we got to go. Is that okay? Are y'all coming over? And they're like, well, we'll be, we'll be there a little late. Okay, great. So we head on over to the conference. Days later, days later, they write me this long email. Pastor, we thought you were a great man of God, but when you jumped up and started washing your plate, that's when we realized you were the real deal. That has affected us more than any message you have ever preached or any times you've laid hands on us, anything like any prophecy you've ever given. That touched us more. Now, guys, I want you to know, I do not have a, I have a plan on how to get everyone to love me and believe I'm a man of God. Um, that's kingdom business working in me. It's invisible. I don't even know. I didn't, that was just, that was the right thing to do in that moment. Are you tracking with me? I wasn't, I didn't have this, I don't have this strategic plan on how to get everyone to know that I'm a real man of God. And, 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 so then all of a sudden I started even feeling the pressure. Well, do I need to do that at everybody's house? Oh my Jesus. <laughs> Is this like the new way of proving you're a person that really follows God? It's in that moment. The invisible things of God are working in me. The kingdom of God is working in me. And it touched their heart in a way they had never been around a man of God that actually acted that way. They expected me to have that air about me. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. Do you feel the presence? I have entered into your domain. And now the glory will rest upon this house. Every time you go to sleep, you will have open visions of heaven because I have, visit I have touched this plate. Let no one ever touch this plate again. For the anointing of God shall not be hindered. That's, I guess that's what they thought. So when I started serving, they're like, we don't know what to do with that. It was the kingdom of God at work. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. It may be invisible. It may not be happening as fast as you want sometimes, but God's at work. 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen to me. You may have thought 2020 was the most terrible year of, of, of the existence on the planet. God was doing something 
that was going unseen in the midst. Because you know what he was doing? I'll tell you the first thing he was doing. He was taking the church, and he was like, I'm going to let you guys go at each other. Because as you go at each other, what's going to happen is you're going to realize how much you really do love each other. And I'm going to bring you back more unified than you ever thought possible. I'm going to take black folk, white folk, and Hispanic folk, and Asian folk. And though all the world is going crazy and saying, oh, no, no, no. You need to go ahead and you need to, you need to polarize. You need to go ahead and tribal and not be, accept one another. Watch. I'm going to take my church and I'm going to do something underneath, something swelling. Where no one can see that they're coming together like never before. The B, the unified church. He was doing all time. He's bringing healing where the, where the world's saying, oh, it's all gone. He's bringing confidence back to the believer, where, whereas we had lost it and we got apathetic. He was bringing back passion again and strength. He's been working. You may not have seen it. The world sure didn't see it, but God's been setting this up the whole time. The devil never knew if he had any idea of the invisible workings of the kingdom, he'd have never killed Jesus. He'd have never crucified him. He'd have never let him get killed. But God had a plan. God has a plan. He's working in you. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. This is kingdom business. This is how the kingdom of God works. It's like dieting. When you first start dieting, you're like, this sucks. This ain't working. But it's happening. A little bit of those fat cells are breaking loose. Come on, keep drinking your water. Keep doing your little exercise. And it may be a little bit at a time, and it may look invisible. One day you look up and you compare. That's why they always do those comparative pictures of you a year ago, you know, 870 pounds, and now you, now you a year later, and you're only 860 pounds. No, but there's huge difference, right? And they always got the pictures, you know. And over here they're like, and then the picture over here is, and it's like, wow, ooh, I didn't even realize it was happening. And that's exactly how the kingdom of God works. It may not look like something's happening, but it's happening. Are you with me? Say yes. All right, you sure say yes. See, can I, let me just point out. See, see your, you husbands out there, you're being faithful. Something supernatural is happening because you're being faithful. Oh, you may not have it all exactly right, but you're being faithful to your family. And that invisible quality of the seeds of God, the kingdom of God is growing and doing things. Uh, some of you moms out there, you're being faithful, uh, faithful to your children and raise them up and teaching them the word of God. And, and it may look like it's not really taking root, it's taking root. You're being faithful to, to be a part of, of, of other believers. And sometimes there's conflict and difficulty. And like It doesn't seem like it's working. Something's happening. It may not seem, but the invisible qualities of God are at work. The kingdom is working in the midst of even what you don't realize, he's doing it right there in your midst. Okay, here's a last piece I would teach you, number three, uh, that Jesus is bringing out here, and that is it grows naturally. The kingdom of God, the power of God, and the presence of God, the reign of God in your life, it will grow naturally. See, anything healthy grows. It grows. Any of you that have given birth to children or raised children, you did not have to yell at them to grow. Grow! Grow! Oh, God, will my child grow? They just grew naturally. If it's healthy, it will grow. If it's not healthy and it's not growing, then we've got to figure out what part has gotten sick and diseased that's keeping it from growing. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God's going to grow naturally because the, he seeded this, this world with his nature, with his reign, with his rule. 
I'll never forget, you look through scripture, you know, and they're like, oh, God, this one particular, uh, this one particular prophet, they've all abandoned me. God, I'm the only one left. God's like, shut up, stupid. I've got a I've got hundred who have not bowed their knee. There are plenty. I'm working all throughout the earth. It's happening naturally. And it may not be on your time frame, and it may be not, uh, you know, exposure like you think it should be, but I'm at work in the earth. Can I just tell you something? You have no idea what God is potentially doing in the White House. You have no idea what God is potentially doing with your civic leaders. You have no idea. That's why we don't give up. We don't, we don't, we don't get over here into this kingdom criticizing and being hateful and angry. We stay over here in this kingdom and we pray. We lob bombs of power forces over into that kingdom. Lord, heal that one. Save that one, Lord God. Minister to that one. Wake them up in the night. You know, I'll never forget you know, a couple years back when we were at war back and forth with Iraq and the Middle East and all that and we were like, they're the devil, they're Satan, and they just kill them all, and the American soldiers, and we were, that was our attitude. Can I tell you something? God has been showing up for the last 10 years in Iraq and different parts of the Middle East in Muslim, in Muslim households. He, Jesus Christ has been showing up and saying, I am Jesus, and they're going, oh my goodness, Allah, Allah wasn't the right one, it was Jesus, and they're falling down on their face and accepting Jesus. Jesus is alive in the earth. His kingdom is at work. It's happening naturally as you and I stay healthy. Uh, we didn't have to beg this church to grow. If we just stay healthy, people are coming. People's lives are being changed. They're being transformed. We didn't have to get out there and manipulate and, and spend all this extra money to get people to watch our, our podcast or our live stream or something like that. It's just happening naturally. Why? Because we're loving Jesus. Because we're being faithful. Are you still with me? Because we're just chasing after Jesus, and it just is happening naturally. So you said, man, I don't really think, see things are growing in my life. I, I'm the same way I was three years ago, five years ago. Well, then I would ask you to ask yourself a couple questions. Number one, where have I been disobedient? Where have I been disobedient? Lord, where did you ask me to do this, and I didn't do it? That'll, that'll stunt your growth. Who have I stayed embittered at? It'll stunt your growth. The kingdom of God growing in your life. So again, they're looking at Jesus. He's just healed this woman. He's just slapped religion upside the face and put in right order God's plan. And they all look at him and go, we want that. We want to live like that. Like Jesus didn't, he didn't have to get angry at the, at the Pharisees. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to lose control. It wasn't him versus them. He brought clear correction. It was right. They knew it. They backed off and went, you're right. We're sorry. He's just healed this woman. And they go, we want the people sitting around watching this go, we want that. That's the kingdom of God. How do we get that? And he goes, well, let me tell you what the kingdom's like. Start small. It's a little mustard seed. But as it grows, as it grows, as it stays healthy, it becomes this huge tree that all of the little critters, the little animals can come and find rest. It's like, it's like a little bit of yeast that you put in a 60 pounds of flour. It actually a little bit causes it to completely affect this and give you that beautiful bread that rises and smells so wonderfully. A little bit. Start small. It may look like it's invisible it's working, but it's working. And then you know what? It'll grow naturally if you'll just keep it right. Where have I been to disobedient? Who am I still embittered at, Lord? How, where have I become self-seeking? Have I become apathetic? And so when you try to move, I don't move with you. When you speak to me, I don't really listen. What am I scared of? Have, has fear gripped my life? Because we know that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So fear's from this kingdom. 
Faith is in this kingdom. Criticism, critique is in this kingdom. Intercession and prayer is in this kingdom. Are you tracking with me? Hatred and unforgiveness is in this kingdom. Forgiveness and kindness is in this kingdom. And so you have to ask, am I, am I back and forth into this kingdom or am, am I trying my best to live in this kingdom? And Jesus says, it's real simple. It's natural. It'll grow easily if you'll just stay in this kingdom. So I constantly am checking myself, where have I, where have I been disobedient, Lord? Did you ask me to give that away and I held on to it? Lord, have I, have I, have I created you know, a frustration and an agitation because someone didn't do what I thought they were supposed to do? Let me stay out of that kingdom and stay in this kingdom.